Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back, everyone. We are your hosts, as our lovely introduction just said, Tim and Julie Harris. So, Julie, welcome to today's radio show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, as always, and I think it's going to be a fun show today. It is. So today we're talking about, guys, we're talking about the topic of, do you have the mindset of a rich person versus a poor person? Now, some of you, most of you, have been exposed, especially coaching clients, to the idea of abundance versus scarcity. Well, because that was such a popular radio show that we did uh, I think a couple weeks ago, we're going to really drill down and we're going to be some very, I think, critical aspects of the mindset that you have to have if you're indeed wanting to essentially become rich. I mean, you know, that's really the bottom line is a lot of this really does have to do with your thinking. I was watching a video this morning, um, very inspiring video, I have to say. Brad Inman was interviewing uh, Dave Linegar and it was at uh, Connect in New York. And um, in case you guys didn't know it, Linegar almost died. He had a um, he basically was put in a forced coma for a while. He had a lot of uh, you know, issues as a result of a back surgery. And just really, I mean, the guy almost passed away. And it was interesting. They thought he was going to be wheelchair-bound for the rest of his life. They literally thought that was it. He's going to be in a wheelchair. If the guy lives at all, this is the best we can hope. Well, he got um, – not only did he obviously pull through, but he also – started on a path to making it so he could walk again. So he walked with a lot of confidence, although he did use the aid of a crutch to walk on the stage where Brad is interviewing him. And then Brad asked about the process of basically healing, you know, of coming back from uh, the precipice of death in essence. And he said something very interesting. Brad asked how he went about doing it. And Dave said, guess what? One of the books that he read was Think and Grow Rich. So here's a guy that's a bona fide billionaire who's essentially using the same exact tools that are one of the pillars of the education that we give you guys, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And of course, we've come out with a real estate edition of Think and Grow Rich that includes the business plan, Real Estate Treasure Map. If you guys don't have that yet, I know all of our coaching students do, but if any of you do not have that, I want you to email me directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com, and I'll get you a copy. But the quicker way to get it is if you request a free coaching call, when you go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com, and just by registering to receive a free coaching call, we have 11 coaches there that are literally um, there to serve you, to give you a free coaching call, 30 to 90 minute long coaching call, just depending on how much drilling down uh, you guys want to do on the coaching call. But you do get the book for free when you request your free coaching call, free coaching calls for agents.com. But I was really inspired by, um, I always get inspired by listening to Mr. Linegar, but specifically what really inspired me uh, were people on his level. You know, he's made it by all stretches of the imagination. I mean, the guy races jets for a hobby, you know, <laughs> he, he races okay, so cars. Just, just in case, just in case there's maybe five people on the call that don't have any idea who Dave Linegar is. CEO, chairman, oh, co-founder of Remax, uh, which started. Yeah, he and his wife. Yeah, exactly. He and his wife Gail. So just. Yeah, my fault. My fault. Yeah, okay. sorry. Thank you, Julie. So yeah, I mean, what inspired me, and the reason I'm sharing this with all of you guys, because not only is it a great lead-in for our topic, right, the mindset of being rich versus the mindset of being poor, but 
if you think about like, where does it end, right? Where do you stop wanting to grow? Where do you stop wanting to, you know, at what point do you decide, okay, it's good enough? At what point can I be complacent? Some of you, you know, internally, the mindset is always that ebb and flow of basically, do I have enough? Isn't, you know, whereas, you know, it's this whole confusing inner talk that goes on about actually achieving your goals and thinking of bigger goals and going to the next level. It's a constant battle. It's totally and completely normal. But when you hear somebody like uh, Dave Leninger on his level, who's a billionaire, who's essentially right. by all stretches of the imagination, if there's a mountain left for that guy to climb, I mean, maybe it's the one he just climbed, whereas essentially, you know, he basically pulled himself away from death's doorstep. But, you know, that is inspiring, right? The fact that it's, that it's living, breathing proof that you never stop wanting to achieve. You never want to accept complacency. There's always a next level that you can take yourself. There are always skills that you can improve. There's always mindset things that you can really grab hold of and get the most out of life, which leads me to the topic that uh, Julie has actually graciously prepared for all of us today. And do you have the thoughts of a rich person or a poor person? So Jules, I'm curious. You know, you and I are working on our new book, Harris Rules, right? We're working on um, real estate coaching essentials content. We're certainly uh, coaching our coaches every single day. What inspired you to have this be today's radio topic? Well, I think part of this was the result of reading the great uh, Dave Ramsey book, The Legacy Journey, which is on our reading list. Part of that was I had read some uh, fun quotes lately and some articles, and I think you've read some of these as far as reporting on people's beliefs about rich people. And I can't remember, what was it, two or three years ago where uh, government came out and said you are officially rich if you earn $250,000 a year. And then if you actually break that down, I mean, you know, especially I think about our clients who live in Manhattan or they live in L.A., you know, that's, I'm not going to say it's the poverty line, but after you pay, you know, your taxes on that and your expenses and all that, you know, how is that fantastically wealthy? I don't really get that. So I think that was a lot of the inspiration, Tim, and, of course, all of our great coaching clients and watching their mindset change and develop and, uh, you know, become not just okay with making a lot of money, but really understanding wealth at a deeper level. That is a great book you cited too, Dave Ramsey's Legacy Journey. Fantastic book. Uh, a lot of you who are uh, religiously based, who've been raised in the church, as Julie and I were, you know, you might have received some conflicting information about uh, whether or not the accumulation of wealth is something that you should aspire to. And we certainly had. And uh, read Dave's book because what he does on a scripture level, as he goes in and actually discusses how a lot of the beliefs about money and the accumulation of wealth has been a misinterpreting, being misinterpreted over the millennia. Very, very fascinating. And for every single one of you that are conflicted about the accumulation of wealth because you think it's in conflict with how you were raised or your conflict with your belief uh, in God or your conflict in religion or whatever – uh, I strongly encourage you to read that book because he reframes the whole thing in a very – I have not heard anyone do it at the same level. So, you know, there you go. Read that book, The Legacy Journey, Journey by Dave Ramsey. Oh, and before Julie gets to her first point, so Julie, get ready. Um, we have a really fantastic week of interviews. Very excited. Hats off to our producer, Tim Ventura, for setting them all up. Tomorrow we have Brad Inman, which is kind of cool because he's normally the one doing the interviewing. Um, you guys know that Brad's famous for being a great interviewer, and so we're interviewing him tomorrow. 
And then we have um, our, some of our coaches and also some of the top producing agents in the country that we're also featuring this week. So it's really going to be a fantastic week to listen to the radio for sure. And um, hats off to all of you for helping this become and stay, which is really important. It's one thing to accomplish it. It's another thing to continue to accomplish it as the number one listen to radio show specifically for realtors, for, specifically for the individual practitioner in the nation. We routinely have around 100,000 listeners every month. We certainly appreciate that, and we honor the commitment that all of you have made to listening to this radio show by continuing to provide uh, to you what we hope you'll agree is the best content out there to get you into action, keep you motivated, and, and obviously make the most of this new real estate boom that we're all experiencing. Uh, so, Julie, let's talk about it. What is the, tell, tell me about the mindset of poverty, the mindset of a rich person versus a poor person. Sure. So again, our topic officially is, do you have the thoughts of a rich person or a poor person? So this is essentially a mindset question. Ask yourselves, listeners, what are your innate, built-in, possibly, probably never challenged beliefs about rich people? And as Tim was saying, you know, these come from a variety of places, your upbringing, whether that was family upbringing, church upbringing, people that uh, were, have been around you, things that you've heard, you know, we are the sum of all of our thoughts and experiences. So what are your innate, built-in, possibly never challenged beliefs about rich people? How does this affect your mindset about money? Do you think like a rich person or do you think like a poor person? And Tim, there's a lot of people that have the income of a rich person, but they still have the mindset of a poor person. And that's possibly related to the ebb and flow of being you know, rich or not rich on an almost a uh, monthly basis. We see this with a, a lot of agents out there that, you know, they will have a really big month followed by kind of a questionable month. And when you talk to them about that, they're not really that comfortable having that big of a monthly income. They've never really thought about it. So we all have these thoughts and questions about rich people, and a lot of it is myth-based. So I started doing a little bit of research. And in Forbes magazine, this is a quote from them, they said, relying on a worldwide data from Gallup and other sources, researchers, Stevenson and Wolfers were the researchers who did this, they determined that, in fact, the wealthier people are, the more satisfied they are with their lives, at least when you look at, a nation, at nationwide figures. They also found, contrary to what uh, lots of economists believe, that there is not a point of wealth satiation beyond which happiness levels fall, uh, fall off. In other words, some people say, well, I mean, if you're wealthy enough, what difference does it make if you make an extra however many dollars, right? But they actually found that there is no leveling off point where happiness levels off with it. They said that by probing the idea, they, they started suspecting that that happiness level uh, reporting was possibly false. And what they said was, uh, according to the World Bank and other sources, they found that as countries increase their GDP, their per capita, the, the happiness levels actually go up. It's kind of like, well, duh, right? When I read that, it just kind of makes sense. But there are people who argue with this thought, and they have proven that there's no point where that levels off. The richer people get, the more satisfied they are with their lives. This is an actual proven researched point, okay? So if there is a satiation point, we are yet to reach it. So for instance, here's some numbers for you based on their uh, polling. Only 35% of people who make less than 35 grand a year say that they are, quote, very happy versus, here's a shocking statistic, 100% of people making more than a half million dollars a year call themselves, quote, very happy. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think we always suspected that. You know, we, we joke a lot that 99% of the issues that agents have on a monthly basis, cash flow, et cetera, 
and emotionally, mindset-wise, all of these things, how much of that can be cured by just having a better income? And we, we kind of joke about that, and that's why I put this into facts. According to the research, 100% of people making more than a half million a year call themselves, quote, very happy. So what are your thoughts on these findings, Tim? Well, I just wonder how many people listening right now are in conflict with what you just said. You know, they're mm -hmm. arguing in their minds internally because they thoroughly believe that more money doesn't make you happier. Isn't that what we've all been taught? Isn't that what yeah. is in popular culture? Isn't that literally, fact, yeah, where in fact the exact opposite is true, that the more money, you know, the richer you are, obviously the happier you are. Now, let's just for the sake of conversation acknowledge the fact that they're not really defined, they're defining rich by income, right? So they're saying a half million um, over or above those people when surveyed were 100% reported themselves as being very happy. Um, but we don't have a definition of what their actual net worth was. The way we internally define rich, the way we do it um, at our coaching organization so that you guys all have a really a, an attainable way of thinking about this, is rich is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money, very simply put. Where your money works for you, you no longer have to work for your money. Um, a lot of you are familiar with the concepts of spokes on the wheel. We suggest that you have a strong, healthy real estate practice that has at least seven lead generation spokes, seven sources of business. So that's, again, one of the very fundamental things that we help you guys to accomplish in your businesses, having at least seven spokes on the wheel. As you build wealth, one of the things we also ask you to do is create a minimum of five income sources. In other words, five sources of, uh, it doesn't even matter how much. It could be 50 bucks you're making positive cash flow from a rental property, or it could mean a little dividend from something. But create five different sources of income, and the goal is to have those sources of income basically cover all of your overhead. A lot of you guys are fooling yourselves that you build these real estate practices and teams and things of that nature that you will go down the rabbit hole of believing that your business, you do have those spokes of income, but if all those spokes of income are dependent on you selling houses or your team selling houses, then you really only have one spoke. So let's get to the points, Jules. Yeah, so what is a person to do about this when they're looking at their mindset? Do I think like a rich person or do I think like a poor person? Well, so I... I looked up the quote that we've often heard, act as if you have already achieved your goal and it's yours. People will say, act like you've already got it, right? Well, that's a real quote from a guy named Dr. Robert Anthony. Act as if you've already achieved it. Well, so instead of spending a ton of time and reading 5,000 books and audio books and really you know, ruminating this, because the fact is if you take too long to do it, you probably won't have any money, <laughs> right? People kind of get stuck in analysis paralysis. So I thought the best coaching on this was to simply act like the rich act. So point number one, rich people watch who they spend their time with. They spend their time with battery chargers, not battery drainers, with lilies, not with leeches, as uh, Dr. Robert Hallowell says. He does a lot of uh, psycho psychological coaching, and he says, spend your time with lilies, not with leeches. Poor people generally have poor people for friends. Rich people hang out with people who are like them or even more successful, who are intellectually stimulating and have a give-and-take balance to the relationship. So rich people actually look at who they're hanging out with and they tailor-make their relationships to have a balance, a give-and-take, and they hang out with people that are probably doing even better than they are. So we can stop right there coaching-wise and say, who are you hanging out with and are they charging you or draining you? Rich people hang out with battery chargers. So point number two, 
rich people pay themselves first. They lead with revenue. They don't just, quote, save whatever's left over. We hear this from agents all the time. How is your savings plan going? Well, if I do that fifth deal this month, if, right, versus taking at least 10% off the top as we always coach you. The rich have and use an actual business plan that talks about their savings, and they actually pay themselves first. So point number three, Tom? Point number three, you caught me in midstream and swallowing coffee, Julie. Rich people <laughs> control what goes into their – oh, <laughs> not funny. Rich people control hilarious. what goes in their body and their mind. I didn't even know the point is why I said that. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You drink lots of coffee. So rich people control what goes into their body and what goes into their mind. Um, so let's just focus on the mind aspect. Uh, media-free morning, media-free life. Literally purge yourself of all external stimuli. That's really what the media has become. The news has become a sort of a stimulus source, right? You feel shocked. You feel motivated. You feel scared. You feel something that is not of your own choosing. That's really the function of media nowadays. So uh, really limit what goes into your head. Decide what goes into your head and make the choice of going completely media-free. As far as like uh, focusing on your body, there's some, you know, that's not necessarily in our wheelhouse, but you want to definitely consider uh, your diet. You definitely want to consider the amount of alcohol you drink. You definitely want to consider the n- number of carbs you consume. Um, we, were at, we are advocates of the Miracle Morning. A lot of you guys have read that book, Coaching Students. You were all assigned that book back in January. If you haven't read it yet, definitely go and read it. Um, and it talks about having a morning routine that's focused on exercise, focused on getting your mind, body, and spirit in shape. And all, but all of a sudden, almost magically, mystically, if you want to even go that far, uh, you start attracting things to you much easier because, of again, you took care of your mind, body, and spirit first thing in the morning. So the goal that all of us have or should have is to limit the number of people that can influence us on a regular basis. A lot of you are going to Facebook for your information for news, right? You're literally going to Facebook to get your information. Now, a lot of Facebook, I have to say, is for the most part, it's very positive. But do you really need that circulating in your, around in your head? Are those thoughts, are they reinforcing what you're reading on Facebook? Does it, generally speaking, does it reinforce uh, a positive outcome for you? Or does it tear it down? Or is it just kind of a neutral? So most of you are going to have uh, to really proactively struggle to go out there. And I say struggle because you're not going to find yourselves easily um, uh, being able to change in regards to your mindset about the types of information you take in. So there's, the, you know, there's obviously digital media, then there's the people you hang out with, and that's where the struggle comes in because some of you are going to realize as you're ha- sort of having this epiphany that if you can control the information that comes into your head, you'll also be able to more effectively control the results you get in your life that some of the people that you're associating with are the very things that are essentially adversely affecting the results you're getting. Does that make sense, Jules? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is really affecting everything from your personal life, your business life, et cetera. So they actually think about this stuff. That's one of the differences between rich people and poor people. They actually, on purpose, control what goes into their body and into their mind. They don't just sort of travel through life and whatever happens, happens. So point number four, rich people are not just goal setters. They're also goal achievers. They believe that what they conceive and believe they will achieve. Thank you, Napoleon Hill, for that. And, you know, this, that's one of those often quoted things, Tim, but really this comes down to failure is not an option. Have you ever had a coaching client where it was like one foot in real estate door and one foot in something else and, 
you know, they use words like try and maybe, and I might could possibly get started looking at. Just the language they use alone doesn't really sound like success language. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And but that it, they future tense basically what they're going to do. They'll say in you know essentially the words that you choose really are an insight into the thoughts that you're having. So let, if you guys are trying to get your minds wrapped around this, when you're reading the books that are written by successful people, sometimes when I have a coaching client or a coach for that matter that's struggling with thinking big. I'll suggest to them that they read biographies of successful people. Because really, for the most part, you're not going to easily go out and find somebody who's um, a millionaire or a billionaire. You're not, probably in your own immediate environment, you're not going to be able to easily just tap that person on the shoulder and ask them uh, you know, for advice. Okay? It's probably not going to happen. But, but you have books. You have the Internet. You have things you can watch. There's great videos on YouTube, to be honest with you, that I watch sometimes that are, you know, um, Steve Jobs uh, giving commencement speeches. I, I listen to commencement speeches. And you listen to, you know, or you listen to interviews of famous people. You listen to all these, hopefully you find our radio show inspiring. So if you tap into the thinking style or the energy that it's associated with, the thoughts that um, lead to accumulation of wealth, once you actually start to feel those, that energy, you will attract to you more folks that are sharing those same types of thoughts you'll find yourself being an attractor of people who are also on the same path. So in other words, the very thing that you're searching for, um, a mastermind, a met, uh, mentors, or people that are going to help share the journey with you, when you start making the shift, you will actually attract those people to you because they're looking for the same exact thing. Hopefully you guys conceptually understand. And if you don't, or if you, this seems a little bit too obtuse for you, ask your coach for help because chances are your coach, especially all the coaches that work uh, for us have been down this path themselves. And that's the reason they've been consistently successful for so long. So it is a journey of success that does start with your mindset. Jules, what's the next point? Well, and that's right. And I love what you said about the mastermind group because even Napoleon Hill said your mastermind group doesn't always have to even be people who are around you or even living. He used a lot of his, his mastermind group was people that had come before. You mentioned Steve Jobs, so biographies are a great place to look. Okay, so and that's why we have a reading list. Next is that rich people have and display low ego. Well, what does that mean? They know that it's only through helping others at the highest level that their wealth and success grows. So they have an outward almost an aura of being all about helping others, right? So why do rich people make all that money? Because they're helping so many people. And that is a prevalent thought and feeling. They have low ego. It's not always all about them all the time. And, you know, it's kind of funny if you think about how poor people come off with, you know, it is about them all the time versus being of service to others. And that, that's a leap that people have to make between thinking like a poor person and thinking like a rich person. So they display a low ego. Point number six, rich people are optimistic most of the time. Poor people are negative most of the time. So major difference between the rich and the poor. And we talked about this with scarcity and abundance last week or the, whatever the week before was on the radio. Rich people are optimistic most of the time and poor people are negative most of the time. Observe people around you and see how often are they negative, how often are they optimistic. You know, one of the things that I remember most about my grandmother, I was talking about this with your mom the other day, Tim, is that even when she had ailments and things going on, I can't remember a single time that she complained. 
And what a great thing to observe coming up as a kid, right? I just cannot remember a single complaint from her. She was optimistic most of the time. Now, I wouldn't categorize her as someone who was rich, but she did have all of her houses paid off her whole life. So I guess <laughs> as someone who grew up during the Depression, that probably could be categorized as rich, right? But she was very optimistic and positive. Poor people have a tendency towards negative, and they seek out reinforcement of the negative. So that's related, Tim, to point number seven, rich people rarely complain. They avoid complainers. Poor people complain most of the time. It's almost a cultural theme for them. Have you ever heard that from coaching clients, Tim, and had to correct that where it's like negative, 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 and you really got to get in front of that if they were going to make real money? You know, the funny thing, Julia, is absolutely that's a common issue, especially with new coaching clients. But the thing that's fascinating is that once they catch themselves doing it, it's not usually just a snap of the fingers. It's usually a learning process that they have to unlearn. They don't realize they basically have become complainers, right? But when they become aware of it and they catch themselves doing it, the funny thing that happens after that is when they're around other complainers, it drives them crazy, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, as soon as, soon as you start, as soon as you break yourself from the bonds of being a complainer, as soon as you realize that how much that's holding you down, that's affecting your mindset, because more complaining, complaining in general is just negative, and negative attracts more negative, and negative attracts people that reinforce the negative. It's a slippery slope. And as soon as you break yourself away from that bond, the, you're, you're going to be experiencing some growth that's going to make other people around you very uncomfortable because your little negative uh, network of folks are all of a sudden going to be, hey, wonder what's up with Julie? She's no longer negative Nancy. She's no longer, you know, singing the blues with us every single day. Yeah, right. She must, you know, so, so, you know, these are all the things that ha- start to happen as you transcend your current mindset and start adopting the mindset of being rich. And, guys, it's those experiences that um, will hold you in the bonds of mediocrity. In other words, you're wanting to no longer be a complainer. You decide, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm never going to complain about anything. Even if it's worth complaining about, I'm not going to complain about it. Just not going to use the words. I'm going to do my best not to even have the thoughts. Then the next thing that happens is most of the people around you who probably also are complainers are going to immediately notice the difference in you. And in some cases, they're going to complain about the fact that you're no longer a complainer. Some of them might reject you. Some of them might be very close to you. And that rejection might feel very uh, like it cuts very deep. And as a result, of that, you then slide back into the lifestyle of complaining because you want to be back part of that little group. You see? That's what keeps your complainers club. That's what keeps you in this realm of mediocrity. That's what keeps you poor. It's that poor person mindset, that scarcity mindset. And it starts with all these types of things, words that we use. Complaining. Here I am complaining about complaining, so maybe I'm being a hypocrite. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> are we complaining about complaining or still? Maybe we are. You know what? Good time to move on. Let's move on to the next point. Before I slide down that slope. Okay. Point number eight closely related. Rich people are virtually excuse-free, but poor people always blame others, the situation, the economy, the politics. It's never their fault. So rich people don't do that. They're excuse-free and very similar to the complaining aspect. When they hear other people using continuous excuses, it's a real turnoff and they don't want to be around those people. So rich people are virtually excuse-free Versus poor people where it's always someone or something else's fault, kind of a victim mentality. So what is your mindset? Are you thinking like a rich person or a poor person with excuses? It's an interesting thing to try and count your own excuses on a daily basis. That will cure you of it right quick. 
As coaches, we only get you for a half hour at a time, and we catch you on it. But try catching yourself on that. How many excuses are you using? And become excuse-free. Because remember, at the point of this call, start thinking, acting like a rich person. You're more likely to get there faster. So point number nine, rich people respect money as a tool. Poor people don't understand the function of money, and that's why they rarely have any of it. So rich people respect money as a tool for helping other people, for doing what they need to do in life, etc. It's a tool. And point number 10, Tim, because we're about to run out of time, rich people know what, quote, causes their income. They actually, This is probably my favorite point. They study their business relentlessly. They polish it. They modify it along the way. Remember, they have a business plan. They are meticulous and relentless implementers. So we can start with today's call, implement the thoughts of a rich person. Again, rich people know what causes their income. They study their business relentlessly. They polish, they modify, and most importantly, they are meticulous and relentless implementers. They don't just go to a seminar, webinar, radio show and say, hey, that was great. They actually go do something about it. So closing thoughts, don't be jealous, mistrustful, or hateful towards the rich. Be grateful and then become one of them. And one of my other favorite quotes from a guy named Lang Hancock, the best way to help the poor is not to become one of them. So what do you do with that? Well, we gave you 10 points, how to think like a rich person, put a star next to the ones you want to extra work on, and put a check mark next to the ones you've already conquered, and become, like point number 10, a relentless implementer, and see how your thoughts change what is going into your bank account. Make sense, Tim? It does. Well done, Julie. Uh, coaching students, we give you a long reading list, and you'll find the long reading list, uh, long reading list is a built around the mindset of rich. In other words, the books that we're suggesting you read will reinforce certainly this topic and many of the others that we'll be talking about with you on a regular basis on the radio show. Um, those of you who are not yet coaching students, I strongly encourage you to request a free coaching call. It really is free. You know, It's 30 to 90 minutes. Hey, it can be shorter if you want it to be. It just depends on what your specific goal is. But we have one of our highly trained coaches that is waiting there to happily help you in any way that we possibly can with your real estate practice. Go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And a shout-out, as always, to our great sponsors, MojoSells.com. they one of the only companies that we've ever referred agents to who I never hear anything other than positive responses, great feedback. MojoSells.com is, without a doubt, one of the very core elements that all of you guys should have in your real estate practices uh, it is as, as critical as your real estate license. So if there's anything we can be doing for you, obviously request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. In the meantime, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. And remember, tomorrow's very special guest is Mr. Bradley Inman. Have a fantastic day. So like a lot of you, our business is growing quickly. I mean, matter of fact, since the beginning of the year, we have added between coaches and salespeople over 50 people. And one of the constant challenges we have is, like you, communication. So how do we all keep in contact with each other? We have actually upgraded our entire systems to VTech phones. Now, I personally was very fearful of getting into the whole, you know, figuring out what phone system to use. And I was very tempted to even do what a lot of you are probably doing, just say, well, the heck with it. I'm just going to go with the cell phone and use that for everything. But unfortunately, cell phones have a lot of limited use. The dropped calls, the receptions, the audio quality, all that good stuff. That's the reason that we are looking for a really great solution, and we went with VTech phones. And now the wonderful thing about VTech phones, and I'm going to give you guys some more specific, specific information about that now, is that they're just so easy to use. They're just plug and play. You don't need an IT guy. You don't need to call out you know, your phone guy. It's simple. It's an elegant solution, and all of you need to seriously consider 
consider, whether it's just you and an assistant or it's you and your in your team, or frankly, the VTEC four-line small business phone system might even be perfect if you are working out of your house and use it as your home phone. VTEC's new four-line small business phone system is the perfect solution for small business owners that need to install a phone system that has the qualities and features that they have previously only been available for companies with bigger budgets. The new system is the most affordable and easy-to-install four-line system on the market. The four-line small business phone system components include the main console and the optional of expandable cordless desk sets, cordless accessory handsets, cordless headsets, and speaker phones, allowing the system to grow alongside a business up to 10 extensions. The VTAC four-line small business phone system components are available in stores and online at Office Depot, Office Max, and Staples, as well as online at vtechphones.com. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.